listening to the Lifted Life Podcast. We created this show to help you live a lifted life. Welcome back to the show, everyone. It's episode 148 of the Lifted Life Podcast. And today we are talking about interest-led learning. Now, learning, school, it's all top of mind for us as we pivot back to homeschool this school year. Round two. Round two complicated endeavor. But what I want to share before we even jump in is that whether or not you have kids in school, whether or not you have kids at all, whether your kids are grown, you don't have kids, it doesn't matter. This episode is still for you because we're talking about learning and lifelong learning. So uh, like I said, this topic is really top of mind for us as we transition back into homeschooling. Uh, But it's really about so much more. It's about being a lifelong learner. So um, what are your, you made a face. I was wondering if you had. Oh, I was just digesting all the words you were saying. (laughs) Uh, My mind goes in so many directions when you talk about learning. Yes. Where do I start? Uh, I mean, I, I have my personal story about learning also what learning used to mean and what it means now aren't the same I suppose maybe that's always changing for me it really I like to take it back to the spider monkey example this was the one that's going to go down in the books I believe I did a book report on spider monkeys at Mm -hmm. some point in my learning journey through public school we both grew up in a small town where pretty much everybody went to public school. Maybe a, one or two kids in the entire county homeschooled. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe one or two would drive 20 minutes to a nearby Catholic school. Mm. But overall, that was our experience. And then when we moved to Kansas City, Missouri, um, there was some differences of how that looked. So schooling in this area is just very different. And uh, there's a lot of options and a lot of variety of how people school. But we both grew up in a small town where we went to the public school. Mm -hmm. And I did a project, a book report on a spider monkey. And I remember using our encyclopedias to learn about the spider monkeys. Now, the tricky thing was, I'm pretty sure the encyclopedia only had one small paragraph. Did. (laughs) About spider monkeys. As a side note, did you have encyclopedias in your home or did you go to the library? We actually had our own set. Nice. Yeah, they were old. Yeah. And they didn't feel like they took up a lot of space, A to Z, bro. Yeah. (laughs) Because I remember the encyclopedia salesman coming to our house. (laughs) And your dad's. I lived out in the country. Like, we never had salespeople come. Yeah. Like, if they did a. Actually, I think your dad delivered milk to our house. But outside of that, um, we didn't have salespeople come in the middle of the country. No one came out there. This mm-hmm. guy came, and he was going to sell us encyclopedias. I'm like, yeah, watch, watch this. This isn't going to work. And my dad bought them. <laughs> really? You had them too then? He bought them. I don't think I ever read a single one of them, <laughs> but he bought them, and we had them. I don't think I used them. Did I, you have My sister a, used them for sure. Did, did you have more than a paragraph on spider monkeys? I don't know. I can't even really confirm that that story is true. The spider monkey thing? Well. <laughs> it just seems like a vague, distant memory. If I had to guess. Yeah. This is a pure speculation on my part. <laughs> yeah. 
you didn't research a spider monkey. You researched a capuchin monkey. And this is why I think you did that. Because at that time, Friends was very popular. And Ross's pet mm-hmm. on the show was a capuchin monkey. And I was obsessed with them. And I wanted one. We all wanted one. Not not and enough started- to look up an encyclopedia about them. I just really wanted one. I thought maybe I could cat- catch one somewhere. Not knowing they're not even in Well, you lived in the wild. I did live in the wild. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the reason this matters... allow me to explain yeah please we now live in a world where should i choose to pursue more knowledge and insight about a specific type of monkey be it a spider monkey or whatever the word you use i would have so much information Mm. it would be very exciting it would be much more than a paragraph it would be the entire world wide web at my fingertips well even better i think it would be people's experiences of that have done what you wanted to do and they can share from their personal experience got the spider monkey this is where i got it this is how i mean that's how uh information is today even mm-hmm. like you can actually gather from someone else's experience and what they went through 10 things i wish i knew before i got that <laughs> monkey from friends yeah <laughs> one they might throw your poo <laughs> their poo <laughs> excuse me both probably <laughs> Okay, so why does this matter that we used to only have one paragraph about a given subject and now there is plethora. A, a plethora of this information? It just changes the world we live in. Mm-hmm. And I continually revisit this story when I go to teach, and I use air quotes when I say that, my kids, um, anything within our curriculum, which is very loose. I mm-hmm. use that word curriculum loosely. Um, and the reason I use that loosely is because my idea of what I think our kids need to know is very different than their idea of what they care to know about. And that really matters to me because I know for sure that we only actually learn or remember things that we care about. Mm -hmm. And so if there's a subject that you begin to ask questions about and want to know more about, you're probably going to learn it. You're going to remember it. It's going to make a lasting impact because you care about it and you're opening the book you're opening the questions versus telling someone what they should care about um it's obviously a very different scenario so a lot of what we're choosing to do with our homeschool approach is what i'm calling interest-led learning allowing our kids to bring to us the subjects that they care about the most and then from that place incorporating a variety of different important for life types of knowledge or ways of Mm -hmm. thinking not what to think but how to think how to think critically and um so yeah that's this idea of interest-led learning that for me is not just about during a school year for a child you could be 65 and say Mm -hmm. i'm now going to embrace an interest-led learning way of life that to me is exciting yeah i think it took a long time for me to get to that point in my educational journey i guess if you want to call it that i felt like every time i share the story i feel like a vic like i'm coming from a victim perspective and that's not where i want to come from and that's not what i mean but i do feel like i do have dyslexia and i do feel like at a young age i was labeled as learning disabled impaired. learning impaired I, I, don't, I don't know but like i got put in those categories of he needs advanced help and it was very I guess hard for me at the time because I felt shameful. I felt like 
like I shouldn't be in this category, but I was. And I, I don't know, who knows what that actually, what I made that mean throughout my life. But at some point I, I've realized that if I'm interested in the subject, I'll find a way to learn about it. Mm-hmm. I'll sit and if it takes me a month to read two paragraphs about it, I'll do it because it's so interesting. Mm-hmm. But it took until probably my freshman or sophomore year in college to, to actually hit that. Like I never in high school ever found something, well, maybe math, but there's not really, I didn't really read books on math. But once I got into college and got in like into technical, I guess a technical college, that's when I was like, this stuff's super interesting. I also had the internet, I suppose. Mm-hmm. So that combination, it was easy for me to lose hours and hours reading about computers and other ancillary things. Yeah. I think it's so fascinating how different our minds are and how mm-hmm. what you excel at and what comes naturally to mm-hmm. you are the things that I really struggle with. Like one of my favorite memories of um, favorite, once yeah. again, some air quotes was that it was math and I was daydreaming. And then I walked up to the teacher and I was like, uh, she had just handed out the worksheet mm-hmm. and I couldn't even make it up to her desk. And I felt like little <laughs> tears starting to come out of my eyes because it was foreign to me. I was, I had no idea what was yeah. going on and I knew that I had kind of done it myself because I had just daydreamed through the entire lesson. Oh, you got like a quiz or an exam or something? Or even homework. It wasn't. Didn't maybe. Even. I had no idea what was going on. Yeah. I was definitely in a whole nother world. It was much more lovely there. When I came back to planet earth, it was the harsh reality of math. Of course. You can't fake your way through math. Now I loved reading, writing. I could explain my way through it. I could kind of BS my way through it. You know what I mean, Tim? Yeah. Math, there is no room for such. No. That's why I like it so much. (laughs) That's why I hate it. (laughs) But, you know, I also have a memory of, this is around that time when I had experience with with this style of learning. I was back for holidays, and one of my cousins was in high school, and he was sharing what he wanted to do or, or what lit him up. And I was trying, I was very new to this, but I was trying to explain to him, you know, I was 20 some years old trying to explain, look, I know school sucks. I know you don't like school, but man, if you could find something you're really into, it really helps. Hmm. And his mom, like kind of overheard us and was like, you know, you don't understand. His reading level is like really low. Hmm. And I was like, it doesn't matter. And she was arguing with me that, no, he doesn't have a chance. Hmm. And I was like, no, it doesn't work like that. Mm -hmm. And he was like, I don't have a chance. And I was just like, man, it leads perfectly to the next thing I want to talk about, which is a growth mindset versus a fixed mindset. Yeah. And I was just telling our son on a walk last night as we approached this school year and, um, try to take a new energized approach. I said, I want the core of everything we do to be from this place of a growth mindset and to keep in mind that it's very natural to fall back into a fixed mindset. Mm. So I'm not going to go all the way into all the beautiful examples of the difference between the two, but the main one I love is that a fixed mindset says, well, I'm not good at this and that's just the way it is versus Mm -hmm. a growth mindset that says, I'm not good at this. I probably haven't practiced it yet. I'm I'm not not good good at this this yet. yet. I haven't given this enough of my time, attention or focus. And I feel like anything, anytime we start something new, we will hit that roadblock of this is hard. I don't know what I'm doing. This is uncomfortable. And that fixed mindset will say, so you should just walk away versus a growth mindset, which knowingly says, 
Of course it's hard. You haven't given it much of your time or attention. Of course it's hard. You haven't figured out um, the momentum or a rhythm with how to do it. And I feel like that's the exact premise of what you were saying is they had already decided that they weren't good at blank. And I think that a lot of times we, um, with this idea of interest led learning, we have to undo our own, you don't like this term, but limiting beliefs or subconscious blocks, the stories we're telling ourselves and believing you have to be willing to look those in the eye if you're going to approach this new interest-led learning way of life, whether it's for your kids or for yourself, whether your kids still go to school, but when they come home, how do you approach the way they learn? Are you focused on grades? Are you focused on how they are showing up in a physical and emotional and an energetic presence following what lights them up? Because from that place of, no, no, they're not good at that, we can really create our own suffering and create Mm -hmm. our own limits and totally stay stuck there for maybe decades or our entire life if Mm -hmm. we're not willing to evaluate a different way of looking at this subject. Yeah, it's not that I don't like the word limiting. I don't like the word limiting beliefs, but it's not that like I don't think that should be used. I I just feel like when I hear it, people are like, no, I I was born that way, or I was born with this belief, and I'm stuck with it. And it's like, yeah, limiting beliefs are real. It's just they're not permanent. Right. I absolutely agree with that. We create our own limiting beliefs Mm -hmm. or they are handed to us in a single situation and then we choose to keep them and fight for them. Yeah. Yeah. Justify why you have them. Right. Mm -hmm. And if you fight for your suffering, you get to keep it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so interesting how you brought up the story of struggling to learn to read or struggling Mm -hmm. with um, having to go to the tutor that you didn't want to have to go to after class. Yeah. and you said, I didn't want to seem like a victim. And but, yet uh, yeah. that was my reality at that time. And I think we, many of us will deal with that. What I think is interesting is, um, you know, you tell the story or I tell the story and I don't want to tell a story. Like when I tell the story from now, I feel like, woe is me. Like these things happened to me. They categorized me. They did that. I'm like, that's not, that maybe happened, maybe not, but that's not the story I'm telling. The story I'm telling is, I had a weird relationship with learning mm-hmm. throughout my whole public school career um, until I didn't, until I realized, oh, I, I can actually learn about things that inspire me, that light me up. Those are fun to learn about. And then I got really good at those things. Then somehow, because of that process, when I got really good at those things, I decided that that's who I am. That's what makes me what I am. He's the computer guy. He's really smart. He can write software. He can make these machines come to life. And that became my persona. And I've, when I walked away from that, I felt like I didn't know who I was anymore mm-hmm. because I had wanted to be so smart in air quotes. And then when I finally got deemed smart, then I thought, well, then this is me. This is what I have to do. And if I give this up, I'm not smart anymore. Well, I think it's interesting. You had that desire to be smart. Like yeah. it, maybe it's because it was so painful to feel not smart. Cause I don't really have the same struggle mm-hmm. with that. Like I was a bit daydreamy as mentioned, but if I studied hard enough, made enough note cards, sang enough songs, did a little jingle, did a dance, I mm-hmm. could memorize the information and get a good grade on the test. But that didn't really mean that much to me. Yeah. It wasn't like I was aspiring to be smart. Didn't really ever like, I knew that I could do it if I wanted to, but then what it wasn't like, I knew that wasn't the be all end all to mm-hmm. be super smart. Uh, I think that's why I've always prioritized enjoyment 
and fulfillment and feeling good because I know that what looks like success on the outside is really um, just another uh, dead end road unless you feel it. And that was my point is that I was on one side where I just wanted to be smart. (laughs) Then I found a way to be considered smart. And what I'm realizing now is none of that mattered. It's what having fun and the enjoyment is what mattered is focusing on feeling good. That's what mattered. That's what was important, not being categorized, labeled as smart. Well, I think the other interesting thing is that the way our current system of society is set up is that you go to school and you learn and you get Mm -hmm. good grades Mm -hmm. and you can get into a good college Mm -hmm. and you can get a good amount of debt. Yeah. That's how we're kind of Uh uh, seeing it. Well, I was thinking about, I felt like when we were, when I was graduating high school, I was in 99. It was like, you make it in college. Like you, if you you know, your grades weren't that great, but if you're lucky, you might get into a tech school. Mm-hmm. Now I think everyone goes to college. Mm. I think colleges take everyone. They, they want that money. Yeah. But that may not be the best thing for the student. hundred percent not. <laughs> right. Um, but the real problem isn't just the debt or that you can create a career path that may take 20 years to pay off your debt. That's mm-hmm. not even really the problem. I think the real problem is that we, put so much focus and emphasis on grades that we're not actually understanding that we are all lifelong learners and to truly be someone who lives a life of enjoyment and fulfillment. So basically you enjoy how you serve the world and you are rewarded for it. Like Mm -hmm. that's the ultimate gift. You must be a lifelong learner. You must pursue interest led learning. You could pursue money-based learning, which is I'm going to pursue this because I think it'll make me money, but it will not fill up that bucket of enjoyment and fulfillment. The only way I think to fill both of those buckets, to be of service in the world and to feel good doing it, is to pursue interest-led learning for life. That means continually expanding your mind, expanding your experience and your awareness to, to grow and to evolve and to become. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not um, such a good thing to think of learning and school as synonymous. They're not. It's more about, yes, you can learn at school and you can also learn at home and you can learn everywhere you go if that's how you choose to approach your life. I, I don't know. In my head, this sounds right. Let's see if it sounds right in, in the real world. I think it's the difference between training and learning. I think school is training. It's to train you how to find information, especially college is to teach you how to get information. It's up to you how to learn. It's up to you to apply that that training, those techniques to actual learning. Mm-hmm. Sure. Usually learning is experience too. That's why I think it's strange to go straight into college, get four years in debt, and then then get out and, and do it in the real world and see if you like it. Right. See if it applies. Yeah, we're not huge advocates of that based mm-hmm. on what we've experienced. Um, ours is a bit different. Your work paid for a lot of your degree. Mm-hmm. Um, my experience was that I was able to get the first two years of community college paid for through a program at our high school. And then the second two years I went in the evening where it was a third of the price and we pay that off pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. So of course that has kind of changed our opinion about, mm-hmm. you know, that continuing learning. But I think the really cool thing about continuing learning is that we can all continue to learn now given that we do not have to just use spider monkey encyclopedia limited knowledge. We have the world at our fingertips through the world wide web. And I also did uh, mine backwards. I went to a tech school for two years, 
um, which I did not have a plus like you did, but a tech school was pretty affordable. Um, got a job right out of tech school, started working and decided to go back to engineering school. So when I was in engineering school, I knew why they were teaching or I knew what would apply to, um, the real world. I don't know where I was working. I knew that when they were, what they were teaching in college, like that's useful. That's not. <laughs> and so it was very easy for me to sit in class and listen to them talk about concepts because I could see how I could apply them. Mm-hmm. So I kind of did the, did it backwards in a way, in a sense. Feels like that saying you can lead a horse to water, mm-hmm. but you can't make them drink. That is a saying. I have no idea if that, that applies, applies to my. Because you can send your kid to college, you can uh, send your kid to school, yeah. but unless they have this like awareness of of how the learning applies to them, it may or may not be as valuable. Yeah, it's about their interests, not yours. True. And I feel like our kids have both shown us that with the two areas of interest they've been pursuing, they are things that we don't really care about as much. Mm-hmm. But it's not about our interest, it's about theirs. And their level of interest is what makes the learning exponential. True. So I think that if you are somewhere in the middle and you're not sure what you want to learn, I think that's the first step is what what lights me up? What makes me curious? What would I love to learn more about? Because from that place, um, you can take the next step and the next right step, just staying open to what you'd love to learn more about so that you can continue to grow and evolve and experience more fulfillment and enjoyment. I think that might be a wrap, Tim. Sounds like it. This week's episode was brought to you by our four mood probiotics. Remember, Lifted Naturals is more than just a supplement company. We are a well-being movement here to help you feel better naturally. We do that through our podcasts and, of course, our products. Check them out over on Amazon, Walmart.com, or our own shop. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week on the podcast.